today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my very best to um, help, help set you up for this series that's coming. And so today I want to bring a message to you around the topic of temptation. Um, and so the reason that I feel like this is such an important message, one, God's been dealing with me in this area, but also I feel like this is really important in this season because um, before we can break free um, from the things that are holding us back and the things that are holding us down, we've got to be able to identify the lies and the tactics and the schemes of the devil. And one of the biggest ways that he comes at us is through temptation. And so um, for us to be able to recognize the attacks of the enemy and the lies of the devil, I need to give you a really hard truth up front, okay? Just right on the nose, out the gate. I'm just going to come and give you a hard truth. And I want you to hear me. This is coming in love. But the truth is that there is a real devil, a real actual devil, who wants to destroy you and me. And when we think of the devil, a lot of times we think of the little cartoon figure who has the horns on his head and a pitchfork in his hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what we think about, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real evil force that wants to destroy our lives. Now, there's an organization called Barna, and they do research and they put out statistics, and they focus on Christian statistics. Now, they did a study and they put out some research that shows that only 40% of Christians say that they believe in an actual devil. Only 40% of Christians would say that the devil, the enemy, is real. And I just thought that was interesting. I thought that was kind of mind-blowing because if I'm the devil and I'm, I'm trying to destroy you, I'm trying to take you out, what better tactic could I have than to convince you that I'm not real? What better way could I come at you and sneak up on you than to convince you that I'm not real. And so the truth is, we, ha- we have to know this truth. We have to know that there is a real devil that really wants to destroy our lives so that we can do what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, so that we can stay alert. The Bible tells us, stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion, just looking for someone to devour. Now, when we look at this verse, what we see is that The Bible says you have to watch out for your great enemy. Now, this isn't describing that cartoon little baby devil with the pitchfork. This lets us know that our adversary, the enemy, is a great enemy. And that means to us that he is powerful, that he is strong. Now, we're not here to glorify the devil. We're not going to do that. We're not worshiping the devil. But really what I'm trying to do for you is kind of what a football team does. When they get ready to play uh, another team, what do they do? They watch the film. They watch what plays they run so that they can know what to do when it comes to game time, right? They got to get ready and they got to know what they're up against. And so that's what I'm trying to do for you is I'm playing some film for you, so to speak. And I'm trying to let you know what you're up against as a Christian, that we have a great enemy, the devil, who is looking around like the enemy's strong. And can I just say it like this? Every time you battle the enemy in your own strength, you'll lose. Because he's greater than you, he's more powerful than you, he's stronger than you. But through Jesus, you can overcome him every single time. But we have to know this. And the Bible lets us know that the enemy is, he's walking around, one version says, to and fro around the earth, just looking for someone to devour. Like that's his purpose in life. That's his whole goal is that he's looking for someone to devour. Like he's living his life every day. Like I just wish I would catch him slipping today because if I do, I'm going to get him. That's how the enemy lives his life. And the the Bible also tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, 
He says, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven it in the sight of Christ for your sake, so that, in order that, Satan might not outwit us. This lets us know that Satan, our adversary, the devil, is trying to outwit us. He's trying to trick us and make us fall, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Put this word in bold because this lets us know that the enemy has a scheme, that he's scheming against you, which means he's making a plan to destroy us. I would say it like this, the devil has your number. That's kind of scary when you think about it that way. You don't have to be afraid. But the devil has your number. He studied you and he's put together a plan to take you out. And he knows what button to push. And can I say again, that if we try to fight the enemy on our own, we will fall to his schemes every time. We will. But some, it's really quiet in here, and I know you're probably thinking, man, I got out in the snow in 18-degree weather on the first Sunday of the year. I was feeling good, Caleb. I was feeling good when I walked in the door, and you're just bringing me down. That's how you're feeling today. But that's okay because, look, it only gets better from here. It only gets better from here. But up front, I just want you to know that. I want you to know the truth. The Bible tells us that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's what the Bible says. So I'm giving you the truth today so that it'll make you free. But we have good news as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says that no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. This lets us know, hey, other people have faced the same temptation. You're not alone. That's one thing the enemy will try to do is try to isolate you, make you feel like you're alone. But you're not alone. Other people face it. All you need to remember is this, that God will never let you down. Oh, that's good right there. He will ne- yeah, give God praise for that because God will never let you down. It says he'll never let you be pushed beyond your limits. He'll always be there to help you come through it. And so while there's some hard truth in the front, there's some good stuff on the other side that God will never let you down. He won't let you be pushed past your limit and that he'll always be there to help you come through. The Bible says he will never leave us and that he will never forsake us. And so I want to let you know today that while the enemy has a plan for your life, he's scheming, he's planning, you can look at it like this, the enemy actually has a plan for your life. I don't know if you knew that or not. We see this throughout scripture. There's two, two plans. But on the flip side of that coin, someone greater has a better plan for your, for your life, and his name is Jesus. And so the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that before us are two paths, the path of life and the path of death. And we get to choose which path we go down. And the Bible says, now choose life, okay? So I'm here to tell you today, there's two plans for your life, and you gotta choose one. There's the plan of the enemy, and you can follow the plan of the enemy, or there's the plan that God has for you, and you can follow the plan that God has for you, but it's your choice. And so God has a greater plan for our life, and God will never let us down. Can I say to you today that you don't have to fall every time you're faced with temptation? Some of us fall every time we're faced with temptation, but I want to let you know that you can come through temptation without failing. You can overcome temptation through the Spirit of God, and I believe that's what's going to happen over the next several weeks of this sermon series that's coming up, that some of you are going to find some freedom, and you're going to be able to overcome temptation by the Spirit of God. But the Bible tells us this. It says that even, did you know that even Jesus was tempted? We see that in the Bible in Hebrews, right here in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, this high priest, and the high priest is Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same testings that we do. Did you know that? 
that Jesus faced all the same temptations that you do. He was fully man. Pastor Ben talked about that a few weeks ago. Just as much as he was man, as God, just as much as he was fully God, he was fully man. And he faced the same temptations that we do. He got aggravated with people. He wanted to slap that coworker. You know, he, he got frustrated with people just like you do. The same temptations Jesus faced them. And the Bible says, yet he did not sin. And if Jesus can overcome temptation without sinning, then that lets me know that we can do it too through his power. Through the power of Jesus, we can overcome temptation. And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to do my best today to give you some insight on temptation. And I got four points for you. If you're taking notes, this is the first one here, is that there is always a moment of temptation. And this is important for you to know. At the beginning, uh, at, in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, uh, specifically Genesis chapter 3, um, before this, what God says is, you know, he, he told Adam and Eve, he said, um, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for one tree. And it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you shouldn't eat it. You shouldn't even touch the tree. And he said, if you do, you will surely die. That's what he told them. And so what happens is the serpent shows up to tempt Eve. There was a moment of temptation. And that's the thing that we need to know is that there's always a moment of temptation. And so when the servant shows up to tempt Eve to eat from the tree and to disobey God, there was a certain moment that that temptation began. Like the serpent planned and plotted out how he was going to make Eve fall into this temptation, how he was going to trick her to fall. And so I want you to know that the enemy in our lives, he's plotting and he's scheming. And he's planning on the right moment, the opportune time to show up and to tempt us. He's not going to come at us all day, every day. He's waiting. He's sitting back patiently and waiting for the right moment. He's waiting for the moment of temptation. And the Bible talks about there being a moment of temptation. It refers to it as the day of evil, or it refers to it as the evil day. And this is what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil, this is that day of evil I'm talking about, or other translations say the evil day, we're going to say, so that when the moment of temptation comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And the Bible says that we have to put on the full armor of God so that when that moment comes, we will be able to stand our ground. And so according to scripture, there is a day of evil. There is a moment of evil, a moment of temptation that is coming. Now, you can take a deep breath and you can let it out because every day is not a day of evil. Every day is not an evil day. Yeah, praise God for that. It's not our entire life. Not every moment is evil. It is a moment of temptation, but we need to be aware of the fact that there is a evil day and that there is a moment of temptation. And often this moment of temptation shows up in our weakness. And so I've got a little acrostic for you to help you um, recognize the moment of weakness that temptation may appear. And the first moment is temptation may appear when you're hungry. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. When you get just so hungry that you feel like your stomach, you could just eat a horse. Like I, you're just starving, right? I, I know I experienced this recently when I got, when we're traveling to to Alabama for the holidays, and I'm just starving, and then my, hung, my hungry turns to hangry, right? And then what happens is somebody comes driving by me all crazy, and then I get mad, and I just feel like cussing them out because I'm starving over here, right? I'm hangry. 
And so in my hunger, it's a moment of weakness for me, and it's an opportune time for temptation. When we're hungry, I kind of put those two together because I said hangry. But when you're angry, if you get really angry, watch out. Watch out because there could be a temptation coming your way. Because when we get really angry, we're not thinking rationally. Oftentimes in any of our moments of weakness, we're not thinking rationally. rationally. When we're lonely, right? This is why we say that small groups are so, so vitally important is because we're not meant to do life alone. And when we get alone, we get isolated. We get away from the pack. The enemy sees that we're alone. He sees that we're lonely. And that is an opportune time for him to show up. And that's why I encourage you on February 6th to get in a small group so that you're not alone, so that you're not as susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. But when we're lonely and when we're tired, when we're tired, just last night, we got back from being out of town on vacation for um, our holi- uh, the holiday, seeing family. Now I feel like I need a vacation from my vacation because so, uh, it was so tiring. But we stayed up till midnight um, on New Year's Eve, and then we had to get up at 3.30 to go catch a flight in Birmingham, drive an hour and a half there. Then once we made it to Oklahoma City, we had a two-hour drive from there back home. So by the time we got home, I was super, super exhausted. And I was just so tired, and then I had to come up here and get some things ready for today, and and just getting everything set up. And when I got home, I was really tired, and I I had expected that my wife, my sweet wife, was going to have dinner ready, because we had talked about it. Well, when I got home, she was asleep. No big deal, right? Like, she was asleep. That's totally normal, because we're both exhausted, right? But you know what I did? I got angry and I started fussing at her. She won't even remember it because she was asleep, but I started fussing at her because I was so tired and I wasn't thinking rationally and I was just acting like an idiot. And so when you're tired, any of these moments of weakness is the opportune time for the enemy to show up and to attempt to, to tempt you. And so anytime you, you are weak, you need to halt. Y'all see that? That's pretty good, right? Don't make, don't, don't make any rash decisions when you're feeling hungry or angry or lonely or tired, and as a bonus, when you're bored. You ever heard the the quote that says, idle hands are the devil's workshop? In our boredom, the enemy will try to show up and tempt us. I've experienced this personally. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when I'm bored, I'm all alone with my thoughts, that's when the enemy tries to show up and tempt me. And so we have to recognize that there's a moment of temptation And we have to be aware of that. Next, we have to realize that there's always a place of temptation. There's a moment of temptation. There's always a place of temptation. Now, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3, if you look really closely, you'll see that Eve was not supposed, Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But not only were they not supposed to eat from the tree, I never noticed this before until I was preparing for this message. But if you look really closely, you'll see that she was not even supposed to touch the tree in the garden. Not only was she not, much less eat from the tree, she wasn't even supposed to touch the tree. And so one of the most dangerous things that Eve did not pay attention to was her proximity to the tree. She should have never been within arm's length of the tree because she wasn't even supposed to touch the tree, much less pick fruit from it and eat, eat the fruit from the tree. She wasn't even supposed to touch it. And so the moment that she got within arm's length of touching that tree, she placed herself in the place of temptation. She shouldn't have even been close to it. And I don't know about you, but 
I don't, I don't know about you, but how many times do we do that in our life? We try to see how close we can get to the thing without actually sinning, right? We try to see how close we can get to it without actually doing whatever thing that it is. We get within arm's length of the sin and we put ourselves in the place of temptation. I know that I'm guilty of this in my life. Throughout high school, I tried to, I, I tried to be a, a good Christian teenager, but you know, I had weaknesses, right? And one of those weaknesses that I had was girls, right? And so when it, came, when it came to girls, I tried to walk the straight and narrow, but I'll be honest with you, I wanted to try to see how close I could get without actually touching the tree, you know? I wanted to see how close could, how close could I get without actually doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what I wanted to try to do. Um, and I put myself often in the place of temptation. I love you, baby. You're my, my one and only. But I put myself in the place of temptation. And how often do we do this? And here's the truth is that everyone has a place of temptation. Everyone does. We look in the Bible, David, King David had a place of temptation. It was the rooftop. He was supposed to be in battle. He wasn't even supposed to be on the rooftop. He's supposed to be with his army in battle. But he was on a rooftop and he caught Bathsheba bathing. Esau, he was coming in out of the wilderness and he was hungry. He was in, he, he was dealing with one of those weaknesses we talked about. He was so hungry that in his place of temptation, he exchanged his birthright for a bowl of soup because he was so hungry. Even Jesus had a place of temptation. It was in the wilderness. He had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and the enemy appears in the wilderness to tempt him. And so even Jesus had a place of temptation. So let's just recognize that we all have a place of temptation. And so I just want to ask you today, what is your place of temptation? Maybe it's that business trip that you went on and your spouse doesn't have to know that you stay an extra day. Maybe that's your place of temptation. Or maybe, maybe it's that certain app, TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram. And you're good all the time except for when you get on that app because it's your place of temptation. What is your place of temptation? Maybe it's the computer or that website or a certain friend group and certain influences. Maybe it's that vacation where you get away and nobody knows you and you just turn up a little too much, you know? Maybe that's your place of temptation, but we have to identify that there's always a place of temptation. And number three, there's always a battle of temptation. Always a battle. We're going back to Genesis chapter three a lot, but if we go there again, we see a battle of temptation between the serpent and between Eve. Now you need to know that when God told them not to eat from the tree, Eve had placed, she had put walls up to keep her from sinning against God, but through conversation, Satan deconstructed those walls and tricked her into sinning against God. I want you to hear this. Eve loved God. Eve loved God. But she just fell prey to the lies and the tricks of the enemy. That's all that happened. And so hear me today. Just because you've fallen into temptation doesn't mean that you don't love God. It just means that you've been tricked by the lies of the enemy. And so what I want to do today is I want to expose the enemy. I want to expose the lies of the enemy and turn on the light so you can see the lies of the devil. And here's the first lie that, that Satan spoke to Eve. He said to the woman, he said, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, he knew that God didn't say don't eat from any tree. He knew God said don't eat from one tree. But he tried to confuse her by questioning, did God really say? And that's what the enemy, enemy will try to do to us is he'll say, 
did God really say that you, you can't flirt with any woman except for your wife? Is that what God really said? I mean, is that in the Bible anywhere? Did God really say that you shouldn't have sex before marriage? Did he really? I mean, is it that point? Did he really say that? Did God really say, fill in the blank? The enemy tries to make us question what God really said. But here's the problem is a lot of times we don't know what God really said because we're not in the word. And so we got to be in the word. That's why it's so important that we study God's word is so that we know what God really said. And so that when the enemy tries to say, hey, did God really say? We can say, yeah, he really did say that. He really did say that. And we don't fall into temptation. And so that was the first lie. The next lie, God had told them, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. Satan comes back to Eve and he says, you will not die. He knew what God said, but he said, he, he told her a lie that was in direct opposition to what God had said. He said, you won't die. And this is a lie that tries to tell us that there'll be no consequence for our sin. Oh, God's such a good God. He's full of grace and there'll be no consequence. You will not die. Nothing bad's gonna happen. That's what, that's the lie that the enemy tells us. But I want you to hear me say this. No, their bodies didn't die, but their innocence did. Their innocence did. And here's the, here's the hard truth is that every time we sin, something in our life dies. It may not be our body. It may not be everything that we have, but something dies. It might be a little piece of your marriage. It might be your innocence. It might be your integrity or your honesty. It might be your destiny. But every time we sin in our life, something dies. But hey, here's the good news is that to us, death seems very, very final. But to God, it's not final because he's the God who can bring things that are dead back to life. And you may have a lot of dead things in your life because of bad decisions, but I'm here to tell you today that God can bring those things back to life. And I believe that he's going to do that in the next few weeks through this series, Breaking Free. Yeah, give God praise for that because he can bring dead things back to life. God can bring it back to life. And I believe this with all my heart is that the moment that you ask God to forgive you, he does it. Jesus instantly forgives you of your sins the moment that you confess and that you ask him to forgive you. But we have to, we have to know that anytime we're trying to rationalize temptation, anytime we're questioning things with the enemy, we need to recognize that that is the battle of temptation. So there's always a battle. And lastly, there's always an outcome. With every temptation, there's always an outcome. You either win or you lose. There's no gray area. There's no in-between. There's always an outcome. Now, if you've ever faced temptation and overcome that temptation, you, you know that the way you feel after that is you feel empowered. You feel strong. You're like, yeah, I, I beat that. I won. I won that time. And what happens is when we overcome temptation, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to overcome it again. And every time we overcome that thing, it gets a little easier. It gets a little easier to keep winning. But on the flip side of that, if you fail every time that you're faced with temptation, it gets a little easier to fail again and a little easier to fail again. And eventually you get in your mind, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. I'll never be able to beat this. And Paul talks about this in Romans 7. He says, I don't understand what I do. You ever felt like that? Why, why am I doing this? For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do that thing. Why do I do what I hate to do? I know I've been there before. I don't know if you have, but I've been there before. But people think every, every time they fail, they think, I'll never be able to beat this. Why am I doing this? I hate this. 
But I want you to hear me today because if you're a person who's been failing every time that you're faced with temptation, I want you to know that God is saying that you can overcome temptation through the power of Jesus, that you don't have to fail every time. You may have been failing, but through the power of Jesus, you're going to overcome. And I I believe this, that through the next few weeks and through this year, you're going to be set free from some things. You're going to break free through the power of Jesus. Now, that's good news, and you can give God praise for that because this is the year of freedom. And I just want to proclaim that over you, that this is the year of freedom. And I want to proclaim over you that you will overcome temptation by the power of Jesus. And so as I get ready to close this really fast, I want to give you a couple of practical tips. And the first thing is to stay away from the tree. The tree, the tree to Adam and Eve was their place of temptation. They should have never been there, should have never been close enough. And so stay away from the tree. Stay away from your place of temptation. Some of you know exactly what that is. As I'm saying that, you're, you're, you're playing the place of temptation in your mind as a video right now, and you're like, I need to stay away from there. I need to stay away from there. Some of you may not know what that is. Ask God to reveal it to you. But stay away from the place of temptation. When Jesus was teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, they said, Jesus, how do we pray? He told them this whole prayer Uh, the Lord's Prayer, and there's a line in the prayer where he tells them to pray this, lead us not into temptation. Jesus told us to pray that. And so we need to pray. You could pray it like this. Jesus, lead me away from temptation. Or Jesus, lead me away from the place of temptation. We have to ask God to help us stay away from the place. Next, we have to learn to run. A lot of us don't know how how, how to run from the enemy. And in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 39, there's a man named Joseph, and he was a servant of Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And, and he, he was so intelligent that Potiphar uh, moved him up in the ranks, and, and so he was high up. And as he was doing really well, Potiphar's wife, she, she thinks Joseph is fine. And so she wants to try to hook up with him, you know. And so we see this in Scripture. It says, one day he, Joseph, went to the house to attend his duties And none of the household servants were inside. Now, I want you to get this picture. Nobody's home, okay, except for Joseph and apparently Potiphar's wife because she comes up, grabs him by the cloak and says, come to bed with me. And he said, the Bible says, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. He took his jacket off and he took off running because he said, "I'm uh uh-uh, not today. And I just want you to know, too, by the way, that Potiphar's wife was probably not ugly. Because he was high up in the ranks. And so I I, I highly doubt that Potiphar settled for an ugly wife. And so I I believe Joseph was probably tempted in this moment. But he threw his cloak off and he runs away. The problem is a lot of us don't know how to run. We don't know how to run from the moment of temptation. We want to try to reason with Potiphar's wife. When she says, come to bed with me, we say, now what exactly do you have in mind? (laughs) I... I don't know that I can do all that, but we might can work something out here. (laughs) But we got to learn to run. We got to learn to run away from temptation. We got to learn, don't trust your flesh because your flesh will fail to the temptation of the enemy every single time. Don't trust your flesh. That's why it's important to have boundaries in your life. That's why some people might think it's crazy, but I won't be alone with anyone who's not my wife, my mama, or my sister. I won't be alone with a woman that's not my, not, 
not one of them. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself in that place. And you can ask my wife, if I'm texting another woman, I'm not even going to text them alone. She's gonna, she gets tired of text threads all day because I put her in the message all the time. Or somebody's in that message. It's a group message. You might say, Caleb, that's silly, but it's boundaries. And I'm not putting myself in the place of temptation because I don't trust my flesh. And so we got to learn to run. Thirdly, we have to fight temptation. We got to learn how to fight temptation. In the Bible, when the devil tempted Jesus, after 40 days and nights of fasting, the enemy appears and tempts him three, three separate times. And every single time that the devil tempted Jesus, he fought back. You know how he fought back? He started his sentence with, it is written. Then he quoted what God's word said. And the only way that we can fight temptation is through the word of God. And that's why it's so important that we read God's word and that we hide it in our heart, like David said, so that we won't sin against him. That we hide God's word in our heart so that when the enemy shows up to tempt us, we can say, not today, devil, it's written. This is what God says. Here's one practice I like to do. If I'm being tempted or if I'm struggling in a, in a particular area, I go to God's word and I find, what does God got to say about that topic? And I find me a verse for it. And I write that verse down, I stick it in my pocket. And throughout the day, as the enemy tries to fight me with that, I, I pull it out and I say, not right now, this is what God's word says. And I read it. And we've got to learn to fight the enemy the right way. And the only way, the only right way is God's word. And the fourth thing that we got to do is I get ready to close this here. So we got to call for backup. We got to call for backup. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says that two are better than one. We are better together. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. We got a call for backup. Can I tell you that choosing to fight your battles alone is almost an indicator that you are going to fall again? It's almost an indicator. And I think when people purposely choose to to fight the enemy and to fight temptation alone over and over again, I think when they're purposely choosing to do that, it's because deep down inside, we really wanna do it. Deep down inside, we really want that thing as an option for us in the future. Like I might go a month without doing that thing, but I know that when I get really stressed out, it's always an option for me to cope with it because nobody else knows about it. And so hear me say this, if you try to fight the enemy alone, you'll fall every time. And that's why it's so important that we call for backup. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. It doesn't say, keep your sins to yourself so that no one knows. It says, confess them to each other and you will be healed. And that's why small groups, y'all might get tired of us drilling small groups in your head, but that's why it's so vitally important because we weren't meant to do this alone. And we need to get in a small group so that we can find some that we, someone we trust and we take off the mask and we can say, hey, this is what I'm being tempted with. This is what the enemy is battling with me, me with. I know I have people in my life that when I face the day, the evil day of temptation, I can pick up the phone and I can call them and I can say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Just raw honesty. This is what I'm dealing with. I got people, I can meet them for coffee or I can call a meeting with them and I can talk about it because I know I can't do it alone. And you know, every time I tell them, they don't say, oh man, you stink, you're terrible, you're the worst Christian, I can't believe you're a pastor. 
they never say any of that. They say, you know what, me too. Or they say, man, let me pray for you right now. We're gonna get through this thing together. Let me, let me walk beside you and let's get through this thing together. It's a biblical principle. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. And so I encourage you on February 6th, our small groups are launching. I encourage you to get in a group and find the freedom that God has for you. Tell someone what you're struggling with. Say it like this, turn on the lights and the roaches will run. They will, they will. But we have to let someone in. We have to let them in. But you can't overcome temptation by the power of Jesus, I believe it. If you would bow your head with me this morning, close your eyes. Hey, if you're here in the room today, and this maybe hit home with you, I wanna just ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What's the Holy Spirit putting in your heart? What's he leading you to do? What's the next step that he's asking you to take? Maybe it's getting a small group. Could be give your life to Christ. It could be get more plugged in by going through growth track and joining the dream team. What is God putting in your heart to do? What's he leading you? If you're here today with everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want this to just be a moment between you and God. And you say, Caleb, I've been battling temptation. I've been failing this battle. And I need the power of Jesus to step into my life and to help me overcome the lies and the deceit and the tricks and the plans of the enemy. I wanna win against temptation and I need the power of Jesus. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. I need him to help me in this area. Hands all over the room. Hands all over the room. You have no reason to be ashamed. Even Jesus was tempted. Hands all over the room. I wanna pray for you. God, I lift up every person today who's in the battle of temptation, who's been experiencing that moment of temptation. God, I wanna lift them up to you and I pray that you give them strength. God, give them strength to be able to, and and insight to be able to understand and to be able to recognize the, the battle and the place and the moment of temptation. God, I ask that you'd put the right people around them, the right friendships and the right relationships. God, give them the courage to step out and join a small group. Give them the courage to do what they need to do to get people in their life that will help them walk through this. God, give them the boldness to tell somebody. Maybe, maybe somebody here, you have somebody in your life, you can tell them about it and you've just been too ashamed. Let that shame just fall off of them right now in the name of Jesus. Let them have boldness to step out and tell the truth and get someone to help them walk through it, God. Pray for strength for your people. We can't overcome temptation in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and eye closed, still in this moment, if you're in this room today and you say, before I can get to that point, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm far from God. I don't have a relationship with Him and I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you today, you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus. You feel the Holy Spirit drawing you. You feel something drawing you into this moment, something tugging at your heart. I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God. It's the love of God that draws all man to repentance. If that's you today, you say, I need to repent. I need to ask Jesus to come into my life. Maybe you're online today. You can join us in this prayer in just a moment. But if that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. If you're saying, I'm I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. One, two, three. If that's you, let me see your hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Anybody in the room? Awesome. Hey, thank you. Thank you. All right, I want to lead this whole church in a prayer. I want us to pray it together in support of every person. 
you're online, you can pray this with us as well. Say this, Jesus, I confess that I need you in my life. I asked you to forgive me of all my sins, to wash me clean, give me a fresh start, be my Lord. I need you and I give you my entire life. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, hey church, can we give God praise? 